Hello and welcome back. Section 229 Creighton Basketball Talk. Late night here. Just me, actually. No Brock, no Blake, but I do have uh, my good friend, my good friend uh, Alex Sindelar here with me. Creighton fan extraordinaire and Creighton beat writer uh, for baseball. Uh, Alex, good to be with you, man. Thanks for joining. I know it's like 1030, but uh, a little late, but it's, it's a good way to end the, end the day, you know? Not bad. Yeah, I mean, considering the day that we had, uh, I'm glad to be here. <laughs> Feeling good. <laughs> yeah, man. Truly, truly a hectic day, man. Like, I thought it'd be therapeutic to do an episode tonight, get our get our minds off the like all of the madness that took place today. But yeah, we don't need to get into politics too much. But man, today was fucking rough. I mean, no matter where you stand politically, it was a rough day, shameful, awful day. But uh, we got to end it with a with with a good basketball game, a win by forty, almost nonetheless. So. You know, that offsets mm-hmm. a little bit of the, the craziness that uh, ensued today. But how are you feeling, man? What's been going on with you today? I know it's been a crazy day for everybody, but uh, let's gauge where you are. How's Alex feeling this evening? You know, feeling good. Um, we didn't get a lot of snow up here in Omaha. So, you know, I'm, I'm feeling better about that. Uh, you know, we're supposed to get one to three inches, uh, not to get too far into the, the weather weeds. But uh, no, I'm feeling good. Uh, it was a really strange dystopian day. Uh, in American history. And I, I was talking about this with, with Sam Newberry, uh, who, I mean, he, Marquette, he's Marquette all over the B place. Writer, right? uh, he used to be, and now he's writing, he's an editor at Mid-Major Madness. So he's just kind of been bouncing around, but sure. we were talking last night and like, and, and he's, yeah, I mean, in, in our late twenties, it's like, we've had so many historic days that we've lived through and we've existed in days we'll never forget. And it seems like we're getting cheated so often because there are so many of those days that we'll never forget. Because you look at like the Seton Hall game last year to win the Big East championship in the regular season. That was basically the last basketball game that we were able to see to back into sports. And it's like that was an, an historic day for for you and I and for whoever's listening. Um, and then you, you parse that. And then it's like that. I think it was like, what, March 15th? when everything stopped, when you yeah, played or one half against St. John's. And it's like, especially just in the last year, how many days we never get and we'll always remember and carry with us and tell our children and the next generation about, and it's like, fuck, man, I am just so goddamn tired yeah. and exhausted. Yeah. And, and, and so just to see the culmination of today happen, just like the, the madness and the insanity and then to end it with a, a nearly 40-point win against Seton Hall, the bookend that Seton Hall game last January, and this one, it's like, yeah, all right. <laughs> yeah, it's it's crazy to think that Creighton's 3-0 and versus Seton Hall in their last three games. Like, it's crazy to think about. You know, and, and it would have been even crazier to to let that Big East tourney play out last year because they could have been 4-0. You know what I mean? But it's, right. it, the, the point that you make about how we're getting cheated out of like all of these special moments and everything like that. I mean, yeah, man, crazy. It, I, I miss being, I miss being at Chai Hill. Like this, this it's been crazy because like, since I was 15 years old, I've balanced my time with pretty much two things, creating basketball and music. 
And both of those have been ripped away from me this year. So it's really hard to try to find some balance in my life where it's like, you know, for, for those of you who don't know, I think I mentioned this on the first podcast, but I'm a traveling DJ. So obviously like those events aren't happening, happening right now. So can't go out and do that. So I, you know, that's, that was the majority of my weekends, you know, getting out to go, you know, go do that stuff. You know, I don't, I don't, I don't have that right now. And I also don't have great in basketball. So huge, you know, huge gap in my life there. So I feel you, man. I, I wish we, uh, I wish we all could have been, you know, at the game tonight. And it's crazy to think also what has happened between that last game, <laughs> you know, at, at Chai Health when we played Seton Hall and what has happened all in between that time, no matter if it's like related to Creighton basketball or what's happened in the world concerning coronavirus or what's happened concerning the election. I mean, it doesn't feel like it's almost been a year because in, in a month and a half or two months, it's going to be an entire year since that moment happened. So wild to think about, man. It's a, it's been a really heavy day. It's, it's, it's crazy to think that we're really not going to be able to get any of this back till next year either. So it's going to be about a year and a half that we'll be absent from like being at Creighton games. You know, some of the fans are, I think they had what 1400 in the building tonight. They had, 1900 the game before you know they have people going back but i mean it's a small number of people that get to go and if you get to go you're pretty privileged you know what i mean like i, I can't imagine being able to get tickets for that now so crazy but anyway right we win by 40 <laughs> almost by 40 <laughs> uh, an insane you know i mean i i was sitting here earlier today at my house just kind of like watching the news being like holy shit man this is nuts you know i was able to shut my phone off at the beginning of the game and just like get on like Creighton Twitter and just like relax for a little bit. I turned it on after the game was over to, you know, to see the electors being like, you know, passed through, you know, the house and the Senate and everything. It's, it's just a wild day, but I'm very glad to end the day with a, a 36 or 37. What was it? 36 or 37? It was 37, wasn't it? I'm not very good at math. I was, I, I can't, I can't remember what it was, but it was a huge victory. It, it was a little crazy though, because I, you know, not a lot of people were expecting Creighton to run Seton Hall out of the building. I had tweeted it earlier this week, you know, to a couple Seton Hall fans. I thought this was going to be an easy game. I thought that Creighton uh, really was a mismatch for Seton Hall. And it turned out that I was right for once. I actually called the game right, but they actually exceeded what <laughs> what I thought was going to happen. I called it at 80-67 pregame. So, uh, a, yeah, a little bit of a, a little bit of a. Uh, an upper on me and the score that I projected, but you know, that's always welcome when you, when you win by that much, but uh, dude. So, I mean, what's, what's new with you before we get into this, this huge win, what's what, I think we have a little bit of a history between each other that we probably need to explain why you're on the podcast um, and just check in with you, man. So let, let's start out. Like uh, how are things with you right now? What's been going on since, uh, since the pandemic hit? I mean, obviously you're not doing a whole lot of, of beat writing for baseball these days. Everything has been, uh, kind of upended by the by the virus. So, what's going on with you, and uh, what's what's going on in life, bro? Well, um, I, I don't know how many people know this, but I'm a assistant superintendent, a little golf course, no, it's Eagle Run Golf Course. So, uh, it, it was really interesting at the at the beginning of the pandemic uh, because we weren't affected at all, other than like putting little foam things in the bottom of the the cups. That's about all we did. And we'd, we'd sanitize everything almost on a daily basis. But it's like we, like I had to go to work every single day, regardless. Like it was six days a week for five months. Um, it was, it was brutal for me work wise, just the workload that we had to do. And, and 
uh, my boss and I, we, we've kind of, we, we got this golf course and we had to get it into better shape than it was before. So it's been, it's been really interesting, but we had 16,000 more rounds of golf at our golf course this year compared to last year. And this is the first time we've cleared um, a lot of revenue and I'm not going to dial it in too much, but this first time we've cleared a lot of revenue since the late nineties um, at our course. So it was, it was a really hectic year. I, we never saw a pause in work because of COVID or because of any of that um, because people came out and they played golf religiously. And I mean, I saw parents bring their kids for the first time. It was, a, it was a thing to do. And it was, outdoors. I, I actually rediscovered my love for golf this summer. Like I did, I golfed so much this summer. It was fun. Yep. So it's been, I mean, work-wise in my professional life, it's been, it's been really heavy. It's been a lot. Um, and then in like, I mean, hobby wise, cause I mean, I'm not like a professional writer or anything, but um, the whole Big East Coast bias thing, I've, I've kind of drifted away from that partially because of the pandemic, because I just kind of got burnt out a little bit because it was just recaps and previews, recaps, previews, recaps, yeah. previews. And I'm like, well, I got to build something else. So when White and Blue Review gave me the opportunity a couple of years ago to write about baseball, and then I was like, all right, I'm just going to turn my attention towards this. So that's kind of where I've been. And so it's kind of been nice to not have to worry about writing a recap or a preview for a Creighton basketball game. And I can just kind of enjoy it and and revel in it because they yeah, have so sure. good this year. <laughs> um, so I mean th that's about where I'm at but so I've got a question for you Austin I can't remember what class we had at oh, UNL yeah. oh yeah okay because okay I, so I, so okay I'll I'll, yeah. I'll I'll dig in I'll dig in here so I right. think it's I think it's really fun to tell this story because it was so fucking random how we met we were both in college I think I was a sophomore but we took an astrology class I had to look it up today I had to look up what class it was and it was an astrology class and there was a lab that came with it so we both went to UNO we astronomy. both take yeah it was astronomy or Astro yep. yeah yeah astronomy sorry not astrology astronomy but we had a, we had a lab that came with it and there was i remember this class so specifically because we had the weirdest teacher of all time mr al fucking dorn he was the the weirdest science teacher i think i've ever had very nice guy i know he's not going to listen to this so i have no qualms maybe saying he's kind of a weird dude very weird dude but uh, man, that class was really hard. I I like I I'm really bad with math. Like I'm terrible with math. So that class made me want to die. But I remember going into that class, and it was a second semester class. So like the basketball season was going on. We started in January and ended in May. So like we were thick into Doug's first season when we met, and you were like, I remember we sat at like those tables, like they were. You know, it was four per table, and whoever you sat next to was your lab partner. So you sat across me. You weren't my lab lab partner, but I wore a Creighton shirt to uh to class one day, and you were like, "Yo, you like Creighton?" I was like, "Oh, dude, I'm a huge fan. They're doing so good." He's like, "Dude, that Doug McDermott." You were like, "That Doug McDermott kid." Oh my god! And dude, I, I I can't believe we hooked up like a couple years later on Twitter, and like we're like friends now. It's like it's crazy to me. Like that whole situation really happened at UNO. That is Omaha is such a small place. It it blows my fucking mind sometimes. Dude, I I just remember. I mean, there were multiple classes because our professor would he would just like leave, 
he would occasionally like he would just split and so we'd just be sitting there in silence i'm like so how about that game <laughs> and we just sit there and we 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 talk about pian Stinnett and we talk about booker and we would talk about like the, the valley days and like i mean it, it was it was weird because it's just this language that you the moment that you drop one name then there's that synchronicity and it's it, not to use a weird fucking corporate word but it was it was it was just this we, we synced up and we we're like we know the same thing in, in it in a very intimate detail yeah and i was like sure. all right i like awesome yeah, Dude, like, yeah this is easy yeah. It's uh, yeah, dude, you're totally right, and it's and it's crazy because back then the Creighton contingency was a lot smaller, in my opinion. You know what I mean? Like the Creighton community was a lot tight, more tight knit at that time. We weren't like deep into the Doug McDermott era. You know, it was Greg McDermott's like second season, so I totally get why you know the community was so small. You know, there wasn't a whole lot to be like super proud of yet, but like it evolved from there, and it's just like crazy that we met before that all took off and like watched it happen. Like been friends ever since you know like it's 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 just wild to think about but uh yeah man i'm so glad that that astronomy astrology i can't believe i said that there's a huge difference between astrology and astronomy i want everybody listening out there (laughs) to know that if i could have have studied astrology in college i would have got a degree i would be working on my master's Dude, I I assume there's no math with that. So I would probably take that over astronomy, to be honest. Dude, that astronomy math is hard. It's like a bunch of like, you have to multiply times like point, you know, zero, 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 six, six. I don't know. It was awful. I hate, I suck at math. End of story. So, but yeah, that was a little funny story, but. I was like, I don't know. Yeah. (laughs) I'm gonna fail this class anyway. So, <laughs> oh man, I I, pa- I think it was a pass fail, and I passed I passed the the lab for sure, and then I think I got like a B in like the, the lecture. But oh god, I'm so glad, I'm so glad I'm 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 over my Gen Ed like journey of college. I'm I'm glad I'm over my college journey in general, but like the Gen Ed journey in college is just oh my god, it's so painful. But oh man. <laughs> Anyway, well, let's get into the game, man. I th- I feel like <clears throat> I feel like to start. I mean, we already kind of touched on this already, but like I feel like to start off, this game was like unfinished business from last year. Like it, it feels like we picked up the vibe at the beginning of the game. Like I feel like everybody was so locked in and ready to go. I mean, they started the game hot. I mean, they did not miss a shot. I think they made their first seven shots, if I'm correct. So yeah, I they mean, went seven. Percent. Yeah, I mean. <laughs> It's it's not often that Creighton comes out that hot right off the bat, but I feel like this was this was the game, man. I mean, after those comments that Kevin Willard made last year, I mean, what a sour taste that you're gonna leave in those remaining players from that roster from last year, which is pretty much everybody but Tyshawn, you know. So everybody has that fresh in their mind, you know. And that was literally the last full game that that team played last year. So I think they came out with a huge, huge chip on their shoulder tonight, and it really showed. I mean, they won by f- almost 40. I mean, I don't remember the last time that Creighton won by 40. I mean, I remember there was a point in time where we were up by 40 against Villanova in that game with Roggy and Doug McDermott going off and that, you know, in Philadelphia. But, you know, I, I don't remember last time Creighton had that dominant of a performance in the second half. Yeah, I, I don't either. Um it, and, and honestly, I I was worried in the game. I'm like, all right, this is going to be Mamu's revenge game. I'm like, okay, Seton Hall's pretty good. I've seen him a few times this year. I haven't watched him religiously, but I'm like, I know Mamu's good, and I know that 
what DJ did to him last year. I was like, he's going to take that and he's going to expand on it. And I was really worried coming into this game. I thought, man, this, this, this is going to be a tough one. And for, for them to start seven to seven and for DJ to play as well as he did, I'm like, man, I, I don't know what I was worried about. Like, come on. Um, yeah. but, but just stuff alone, it was like, there was so much rhythm in that offense. And it was finally that culmination of everything clicking at once. Right. And right. it hadn't quite yet this year. And the defensive performance that they put on, I mean, we're, we're the moment that Mamu touched the ball, especially in the post, there were three guys on him defensively. It was like they were triple teaming him and he would panic. And Seton Hall doesn't have any role players or playmakers other than Mamu that can like hurt him in a significant way. So the way they played on Mamu, knowing that he's going to get his, but they're going to make him get his, and they're going to make everybody else, all the role players make shots. And they didn't, I was like, you couldn't have drawn it up any better. Yeah, a really lackluster performance from Seton Hall across the board offensively tonight. I think Creighton did a really good job of of I think Greg McDermott had a really good plan for this game. And it kind of lends itself. I, I love to see Greg perf, you know prepare for some of these games. Like there's there's a there's a handful of games every year that I feel like he's just overly prepared prepared for. Like I know he always really takes the prep for like the pink out game really seriously. And like that that's always like a huge, huge game for him. But I feel like this game with the carryover from last year, there was no way that they were going to lose. You know what I mean? Like, and I, I tweeted that at some seat. Like, I, I think I said this at the beginning of the podcast, but I, I tweeted that at some Seton Hall fans and got, I got them chirping at me earlier this week. They're like, there's no way I don't, you haven't been seeing this team play. I'm just, I'm just like, there's no way they're going to, they're going to tank this one at home. You know what I mean? Like just the way it is, you know, 33% from the field overall for Seton Hall tonight, 17% from three, they went three of 18 from behind three point land. So definitely not their best offensive performance of the year by far. I mean, that's, that's pretty obvious, but uh, yeah, Mama Kashvili only 14 points on the night, five of 12 shooting, you know, not a whole lot. I mean, he had seven in both halves, not a whole lot to pick out from, um, his sample size tonight that was overly impressive, but obviously Creighton did a really, really good job on on sticking on him tight tonight. Um, you know, and it's it's credit to, you know, I I, I think um, Mahoney did a great job on him tonight too. You know, I mean, there was a question that got sent in to us prior to uh, you know this this pod rolling. It was uh, talking about uh, Tyshawn trying to find his. This team trying to find its identity defensively, you know, post Tyshawn. And I don't think we really have to talk about that anymore. I think Creighton's had their identity from the beginning of the season. They've they've played pretty well defensively all season. So, you know, it's 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 just filling that that role that Tyshawn left last year, um, you know, has has hasn't really been an issue. I don't think. I mean, what do you what do you think about that? I mean, big shoes to fill, but they were going to have to. I mean, obviously move on and figure out their identity without him. And so they, they I think McDermott has, has made it a point to make Denzel that. Now, before the season, I was like, all right, it could be Antoine. Antoine could be that lockdown defender. And he hasn't gotten a lot of run. I think he, he just makes some mistakes, some mistakes that he can clean up with experience. Um, but I think Denzel has kind of been that lock-in guy, uh, especially on a wing player. And we saw it last week against David Duke. And it was like, okay, he's making life extremely difficult for one of the best scorers in the Big East. 
And then it transferred over again to this game where he wasn't giving Mamu anything, um, no space, nothing. And it, it's really interesting, just the body type and, and the way that he's able to play defense is so different from Tyshawn because Tyshawn was, uh, he, he was a little bit more springy. He was, he was faster. He had that kind of quick, t- quick pitch while Mahoney, it's like, he's just a brick wall. Like you're not going to drive around him. And he's long enough where he's gonna he's gonna be able to get a hand in your face and disrupt a shot and contest. And then what I saw in the Providence game is that when they pulled Mahoney out, they put uh, Sharif on David Duke, and it was like, I mean, what a, what a contrast in defensive styles that they have. Because while while Mahoney is like a brick wall, Sharif is like a net that you just can't get rid of. He's so quick. He's so fast. And he's able to continue to poke the ball and just kind of be that, that, you know, featherweight boxer where he's able to throw jabs. He's able to disrupt, you know, the, the rhythm of the, of the ball, the bangler. So it was just, and you saw that a little bit again tonight. And uh, I think Sharif is kind of the anchor off the bench for the defense, but I think Denzel does a good job starter wise to lock down any of the best wings in the Big East. So I think moving on from Tyshawn to get to the original, I think they just found the perfect combination of Denzel and Sharif in order to counterbalance whatever the top scorer, the best scorer, the guy who's hot on the opposing team to counterbalance those two and uh, to really make a defensive thing work. And, and I mean, granted, this is all Paul Lusk's uh, defensive blueprint where they switch so much where when you leave your guy for a ball handler because of, of, a, of a screen and a switch where they're able to so effectively disrupt the ball handler and you do that switch that they're not able to get a clean pass off and then everything's able to move behind it I mean, it's, it's rhythmic, it's rhythmic. It's like, it's like good jazz. It's really fun to watch. And it's something that we hadn't seen out of a McDermott Creighton team until Paul Lusk. Absolutely. I think Paul Lusk has added so much to that coaching staff just defensively. I mean, he was, you know, we're, we're pretty familiar with who Paul Lusk was prior to him coming on to Creighton. I mean, obviously he, he coached at Missouri Valley or I'm sorry, not Missouri. He was in the Missouri Valley. He was at Missouri state. Um, you know, and he had some pretty good defensive teams there, you know, I mean, he was, that was kind of his shtick at most state, you know, that he was a, he was a great defensive coach and yeah, it's really, it's really, it's really pulled over into his career here at Creighton. But, uh, I want to get back to that point on, on Sharif Mitchell. Uh, you know, we're starting to see some consistent, you know, a lot of consistency with him. Um, it looks like he's slowly putting it all together, not only on the defensive end, but he had some on the offensive end tonight, um, especially in the absence of Marcus Zagorowski in the first half where he was in foul trouble and on the bench. But I mean, where do you see Sharif going the next two years? I mean, personally, I thought this was maybe his best game as a Blue Jay altogether, just, you know, from the pure like standpoint that you know we needed somebody in the first half he came through really composed really good energy not taking crazy shots you know really distributing the ball well I mean what what did what did you think about Sharif tonight well I thought Sharif was fantastic but I mean Sharif going forward I mean what a model to have in Zagorowski filling that role in front of him 
um, and to see how that he has that work ethic and that and that drive. And not to compare Sharif to to Kyrie, but he does kind of have that ascension built in where he's he's an Omaha born player. Uh, yeah, he, I mean, he came from uh, from OPS. It's like, you know, the sky's the limit for him. I think that the McDermott's going to teach him a lot of great things. I think he's going to develop incredibly well. And again, having Zagorowski die to kind of teach him to kind of just to watch is going to be hugely beneficial. Um, but in what, what we were concerned about last year with Sharif is that he didn't really have a jump shot and he's clearly worked on that. I think it's just the confidence and the poise that he needs and that he needs those reps. He needs the experience in order to kind of build off that and to get better at that. And I, I think we're seeing it. We're, and the proof is in the pudding. We always knew he was going to be a great defensive on all defensive player. And we're seeing that definitely. Um, but like in the, in the future, is he a starting point guard? Maybe. Is he a great weapon regardless of if he's starting or if he's coming off the bench? 100%. Um, but tonight he was, he was fantastic. He's been great all year. He's made great reads uh, offensively. He's been able to move the ball. He hasn't been turning it over at all. And when his when he gets a good shot and he gets a clean shot and a good look, he takes it. And it's like that's the confidence. That's what he needs to build on in order to become a great player. And I think he's he's definitely doing it. He's making those steps. And it's so fun to watch him defensively because his feet are so quick and his hands are so active it's 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 a joy it's much fun to watch him Creighton's bench tonight actually played extremely well I mean they were really efficient they only missed a few shots I think Antoine Jones had a few misses here or there but I mean largely Cockbrenner didn't miss a shot I mean Sharif Mitchell didn't miss a shot <laughs> you know I mean uh, Alex O'Connell got in on the fun you know he finally hit I think what was his first three-pointer since landing at Creighton maybe so I mean it's good to see him getting in on it too I mean he, he had some good minutes there you know I mean he had he got to the free throw line you know he had a he had a great shot from beyond the perimeter it's really good to see this bench really putting it all together at the right time too you know I mean like we're getting into the uh, what already seems like late season situations we still have to play Villanova twice it could not be coming at a better time you know this bench playing this good um you know and this was kind of set in as a question as well but you know Mitch Ballack really quiet in that first half it took until the 1437 mark in the second half to get off his first shot I think it's there's so many people out there in the Creighton Nation that like to say, oh, we can't win without Mitch shooting a bunch of bunch of shots. I'm just like, that is it's it's such a bad take. You know what I mean? Like we can win without Mitch yeah. shooting anything, you know, and, and, he, and he can still play 30 minutes a game and they can still win by 40. You know what I mean? So I think we need to put to bed this myth that if Mitch doesn't get his shots for the night, we're going to lose because it's just not the way this team is built. They're built in such a different way. You know, I mean, maybe last year you can make that argument. Maybe that's a long shot, you know, but that, that team last year could score the ball in any way they wanted to as well. It, they didn't need Mitch to, you know, shoot every night. I mean, but this year it's more clear than ever. I mean, they scored 52 points in the second half and, and Balak only had, you know, three points on the night. So, you know, I think, I mean, what do you think about that? We, we obviously need to put this, this myth to bed that, uh, that if Balak doesn't shoot, Creighton loses, right? Well, absolutely. I mean, why, why have Mitch shoot when, when DJ scoring 16 in the first half and going two for four, I mean, shooting 50% for three. I mean, it's like, 
you know, it, it's easy to defend against Mitch because it's like, okay, just anything behind the three-point line and lock him up, but he's going to facilitate the offense regardless. So, I mean, you, you if he opens, he's going to take it, but if he doesn't, he's not going to take a bad shot. He's not going to take a low-percentage shot. Mitch is a smart, smart basketball player, and he McDermott's system well. He knows what he's doing out there. If he's not shooting, that means he's not getting good looks. If he is shooting, that means sky's it. That means he's going to pour in 40 points like he did against DePaul. I mean, it's like if he has those opportunities, he's going to seize them. But if I, he doesn't, I, think it's a, I think it's important to note, dude, that they were guarding him from like 40 feet tonight. So yeah. I mean, they 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 gave him they gave him no room at all to shoot whatsoever. So you know, I mean, it's some nights there he literally cannot get his shots because. You know, credit to Seton Hall. They read the, they obviously read that part of the scouting report and like applied it really well because they held him to three points and I think two shots on the night. Yeah, two shots. So, I mean, they definitely shut that down, but, but it, they got, they got killed everywhere else. So it doesn't matter. Right. I'm like, if, if Mitch is scoring three points and Creighton's winning by, you know, 37, I'll take it every night. <laughs> yeah. It's so silly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's it's just you know I mean we'd love to see some Balak bombs out there I mean who the who the hell doesn't love that but you know this team doesn't need to uh, jack up unnecessary threes unless they are desperate I guess you know I mean even then you know we don't really need to do that but uh, yeah I mean Creighton has dominated these last three games they played against Seton Hall I mean two wins last season victory tonight nice little rivalry I always i feel like i always talk about this between big east teams you know i'd, I'd really love to see a rivalry between yukon I, I think that that first game that we had between them would be a really good starting point for that rivalry um you know but obviously marquette and seton hall i feel like are creighton's two big arch nemesis in the big east i mean who do you who do you think is creighton's biggest rival here in the big east now after after being in the in the league for a couple seasons now so I always call back to the Missouri Valley because that's what we, I mean, that's where Creighton existed and that's where the rivalries are, were already formed. So it's like, I look at Seton Hall kind of like I look at Wichita State where, well, I personally do not like Seton Hall at all. I do not like Kevin Willard. I don't like the way that he coaches his team because it's all emotionally based. And so it, it just, I hate the way that they play the game and, Every single game, it seems like, is close. It's other than this one, obviously, but it's that. It's like the, I always see Seton Hall as the Wichita State version of uh, the Big East. I see Providence as like the Southern Illinois. I respect the hell out of Providence and Ed Cooley, everything that he's, he's built there. Um, I like Providence. I like watching Providence play. Um, so I always see them in Southern Illinois. And when we were in the Valley, when Creighton was in the Valley, uh, I always versus Southern Illinois, especially in like, it was 06, 07, when, when Creighton played them in the Valley Championship. And there were some fantastic instant classic games that entire season. And I always see provinces that way. I think Marquette is just like, uh, because there's so much history between the two schools, because they played the most. Um, especially outside of, you know, Big East played. I mean, I think they played 44 times maybe. If I'm, if I'm wrong on that, I, I get it. I'm wrong a lot. But so I always see like Marquette is like the twin brother to Creighton, especially in the Big East, where, yeah, they're, they're going to lose 
occasional arcade, but they were going to win as well. Um, that's where I, I kind of see the rivalries lay, but that's just my opinion. That's the way I see it. I don't like Seton Hall. I fucking hate Seton Hall. So I like to see them <laughs> beat them. <laughs> I feel you, dude. I, I mean, I know, I know we mentioned this earlier, man, but yeah, after we hung the banner last year and Kevin Willard made those comments post game, like, I think that was like direct shots fired. You know what I mean? Like you can't, like if you're, if you're a Creighton fan, like you can't let that go. I mean, like, I mean, personally, we were all on like the high of our life after that game. You know what I mean? So for someone to like, kind of like spit on your party like that, it's pretty messed up. You know what I mean? Like, just let us have it, dude. All you had, all you had to do was win that game and you wouldn't have even had to made that comment, like make that comment. You know what I mean? Like it, uh, it's, it's extremely frustrating. I don't like Kevin Willard either. I think he's kind of a jackass, um, you know, and what those comments did to his relationship with Greg McDermott, I would, if I was Greg McDermott, I would have taken exception to those comments, man. Like that's, you know, and I I know Greg tries to be friendly with everybody because he's naturally a pretty friendly guy and that's fine, dude. But like someone said that about me hanging up my first banner in the big East, I think I'd be pretty pissed. You know what I mean? So, (laughs) you know, I, I like that. I like that rivalry between us and Seton Hall. Maybe we can just X out Marquette and just focus on UConn instead. I'd like I I, I really want to get on this train. Me and Jordan Scurry got into this this uh, this conversation the other day about making that UConn and Creighton game a, a rivalry. So I'm gonna ride that until it's dead. So hopefully it just happens. No, I, I'm I'm all about it. I mean, um, yeah, I don't know. I I I'll have to see more on UConn. I, there's got to be more matchups and, and more close games like what we just. I mean, what we just had a couple, you know, a week ago. So, I mean, I, I'd like to see a lot more come before I call them a rival quite yet. Um, and and I love the the pompous asshole you fans because they're so funny and they're so active and they make me laugh. Like like uh, you know, we take the stairs no escalators it's like it's, it's a classic quote but the fact that it's it's become this this hilarious twitter account that i just enjoy so much i'm like you know i'm glad they're back I'm glad they're in the conference um because they just make it a lot more fun so ryan Cockbrenner, you know he has been playing out of his freaking mind i think there's two players i think there's two players that have really exceeded expectations for me this year ryan Cockbrenner and Damian Jefferson. And I think those are two completely valid <laughs> two completely valid players to be surprised by because Denzel was so great last year but he has made I'm I'm sorry, not Denzel. Damian has made such a leap over last year. He has his handprints all over this game and he had an incredible first half. 7 and 9 shooting, 16 points, 2 for 4 from beyond the arc. Really an impressive performance in that first half. I don't think they really needed him in that second half. So I think he uh, he kind of obviously cooled off only three points in that in that second half. But, you know, he has been playing out of his mind lately. And I mean, he's flirted with a triple double triple double twice this season. I mean, what do you think we're seeing out of him that we didn't see last season? I mean, obviously, towards the end of last season, he was playing just as well as he is this season. Do you think it's just carryover? from more than like a couple, you know, a season and a half of, of being in that offense and just being a seasoned vet or has he really just evolved his game or both? I mean, what, what are we seeing out of him that we didn't see last year? I'm, I'm, I'm trying to find, you know, some, some bad points from his game 
late in last season, but he w- he's been consistent since like December of last year, you know, so it's hard to pick out what he was doing wrong, but it feels like he's just a different player this year. So I think, I think with, with Damien, I mean, he's, he's always, he, he talked about this with, with John Fanta after the, uh, the Providence game, but he, he sees himself as an underdog. Uh, I mean, he came from, from New Mexico. Uh, he didn't play particularly all that much while he was a freshman at New Mexico. So once he gets installed in the, in the, in the Greg McDermott system and, and Greg McDermott system loves grinders. He loves, he loves guys that stay in the gym that work on all kinds of shit. Um, and so last year, last season, I mean, the, the, the star was obviously on Zagorowski and Tyshawn. And when Tyshawn left, I think McDermott probably put in a, a little bit of emphasis on uh, Damien evolving his game and becoming a star, filling that star role that Tyshawn left over. And I mean, clearly he's done it defensively. He's done it. He had four steals tonight. He had what six against Providence. So, I mean, he's clearly doing a lot of great things, but he's playing with that underdog mentality where it's like nothing's ever good enough for him. And I think it's just that attitude shift from last year, this year, where it's like, all right, we got to, I mean, I'm just assuming in his mind that they got to the the highest pinnacle they could possibly get to. Things were cut short, and now he's taking it on himself as the unfinished business mantra. And he is kind of the heart and soul of this team this year, which is amazing to watch because he is extremely talented, but it, it it's like he doesn't play like he's talented, you know? He just makes all the right moves. He's just smart, intelligent. He's quick twitch. It's just he's everywhere. He is everywhere. And I keep tweeting out in all caps, he is college basketball because he is. I mean, what a great story he has where he – he came from New Mexico, wasn't averaging all that much. He was, what, a two- or three-star prospect coming out of high school. So he's built – like, he is a self-made college basketball star at the point. And I think those are the strides that he's made. I mean, offensively, his mid-range game has always been good, but he's improved behind the arc, and he's improved his dribble drive. And it's like you put those three things together, and suddenly he's a complete player. He's more complete than Tyshawn was last year. And he's able to lead this team thing to greater heights. The better that Damian plays, I mean, obviously the better Creighton plays, but it's it was evident tonight because he started out so hot against Seton Hall. And it, it's like every single shot that he put up tonight, it was like, that's going in. Like, right. it, it's a sure thing that he's making that. He's making that. And he's playing with so much confidence, so much poise. It's amazing. He is in in a way. He is college basketball incarnate. Right. No, and I totally agree, man. He's, you know, he's a four year player. He plays hard. He dives on the floor. He does. I mean, he has his hands over the box, all over the box score every single game this year. I mean, whether if it's assists or steals or rebounds or points, I mean, he is a. It's, it's crazy to see the leap he's taken over this year. Um, you know, but Ryan Kalkbrenner, too. You know, the last couple of games obviously have been a little bit of um, an offensive, I don't know, I want to say a setback, but he's really come back down to earth after that St. John's game where he where he really, you know, had a, had a, he had a great night, 15 points. Uh, since then, he's only had, you know, uh, he had five, two, and four, UConn, Xavier, and Providence. 
Um, tonight, three for three from the field, nine points. I, th- I thought he played a lot better. Um, you know, it's not to say that he hasn't been playing good defensively across the board in those games, because I feel like he did a lot of good things in that in that Providence game. Um, you know, he had four blocks. I mean, the game before that, Xavier had three blocks. I mean, he's obviously getting um, he's obviously making a difference on the defensive end. But I think I've been, you know, I've said this a couple times on the pod already, but I've been really impressed with him so far this season. And I'd like to get your take because I've gotten everybody else's take on it so far. And then we can get into some of these fan questions. But I mean, you think about what Greg McDermott has done with with big men at Creighton since he's been here. I mean, you look at Gregory Echenique, you look at Jeff Grossell, you look at Martin Crumple, you look at Justin Patton. I mean, McDermott is is one of the best in the nation at developing bigs with raw talent. And I think Kalkbrenner has more than raw talent. You know, he's got the footwork of what to me seems like a second year college player. He just needs to add, obviously everybody knows this. He needs to add a little bit of, um, you know, muscle to his frame, but where do you think Ryan is going to be after this next season i mean obviously like i said mcdermott can develop bigs there's going to be a really big jump over this next offseason but how do you see him being an anchor for creighton going forward so i i thought this about ryan kalkrenner ever since i saw his high school mixtape which, which was I mean, which was insane by the way the the yeah. tape the tape with him versus that dude that plays at k-state now i can't remember davion bradford i think is his name I mean, he's, uh-huh. he's got an, an insane mixtape from high school and versus some really legit talent that is actually playing at the collegiate level right now. Well, yeah, I mean, you just saw him blocking shots and you saw his frame. He's not huge. I mean, he's skinny. He's tall. But the impact that he's made thus far, and, it, and it's like every game he gets a little bit better. And it's like all he needs is one offseason, and then he becomes great. I that's, honestly believe that's, that. That's, I, I totally believe that, too, because you look at Justin Patton on his red shirt year. I feel like Kalkbrenner is at the same level as Patton. He just didn't take the red shirt. So imagine Justin Patton taking us taking, you know, that's going to be, that's going to be Kalkbrenner next season. He's going to be first year Justin Patton, I feel like, or better, you know, like, I don't want to, I don't want to cap his limit, but you know, I mean, he's going to be really, really good regardless because Justin was that, that one season he played at Creighton, he was unbelievable. Yeah, exactly. And so I think he's, he's ahead of where Patton was. Um, Obviously he's playing behind Bishop, but he's, he's, again, like you said, McDermott's so good at developing bigs. That's kind of his bread and butter. You know, he, he, maybe he struggled a little bit. It seemed like early on developing guards. Um, I mean, what we saw from, from when Mo was here, uh, you know, in, into Davion. And it was like, you want a little bit more out of Davion, but maybe that was just the player. Maybe that wasn't the coaching. You don't really know, but bigs have always been huge for McDermott and for Creighton. Um, and so to see Kalkbrenner blocking shots, it was like, okay, we saw that out of his ridiculous mixtape in high school. We know that he can do that, but then his ability to run the pick and roll, um, especially the one with, with Denzel tonight where Denzel just came off a screen and he, and he rolled, he curled back towards the free throw line. And he, all he had to do was see Kalkbrenner streaking right towards the rim. And it's like easy lob. And it's like those kind of instincts. And that's something that Mo worked on with, with Patton 
is is that pick and roll kind of stuff and rolling to the rim and and catching those lobs. The fact that that uh, the Kalkbrenner is doing that now, it's like okay, that's going to be huge. He's going to be all American. He's going to be all conference by the time he's a junior if he's around that long, because the strides that he's taken thus far are extremely promising. And once that he he gets into that starter role, once he gets starter minutes, uh, we're going to see good things out of him. And McDermott doesn't miss with bigs. He just doesn't. All right. I'm going to pick your brain on a topic that has been top of mind for me. And it might be a little bit of a controversial subject because talking about players leaving the program, you know, to pursue the NBA draft seems to be a very hot topic for a lot of people. It's not for me. Like, I just like to live in, in the what if situations, you know what I mean? So let's talk about this for a second. Um, I was reading through some, um, you know, uh, draft boards for next year. And I, I went through a couple of them. I know it's a guard heavy draft, but I did not see Marcus Zagorowski's name on a lot of draft boards for next year. You know, at the beginning of this season, I think we all were like, yeah, you know, one more season with Marcus probably, and then we'll probably lose him, you know, with him not appearing on a lot of those draft boards and this being a really guard heavy draft. And I know it's early, it's only January. So, I mean, his draft stock could go up dramatically, but do you think we get him back for another season? Hard to say. Hard to say. Um, it depends on how the season finishes. And it depends on what he does in March Madness as well. Like if, if the Jays actually make a deep run, I could see his draft stock skyrocketing. And there's so much season left. There's so much game time left. If if he does continue to play at the clip that he's playing right now after, his, after the, the rest period, it's like, okay, well, he's going to go in the draft. I mean, he might not have the size as a typical NBA point guard because, I mean, a typical NBA guard is like what six point guard is like six four, six five. Um, so he's a little bit smaller. Um, he does have the injury bug that, that's kind of plagued his career so far. Um, but if he finishes what he's started so far since he he got out of that rest period, man, I don't see how he comes back. I really don't. I don't see how he can't pass up that opportunity because it's, it's going to be presented to him. Right. And I think he, I mean, obviously he's been playing a lot better the last couple of games. The post injury Marcus, I think is, is here, you know, the, <laughs> I think he's obviously uh, he, I, I, in my opinion, I think he's worked past, you know, a lot of that and he is back. You know what I mean? Like he had a rough game against Xavier the other night. I mean, two for 11 shooting 10 points. I mean, obviously not like your ideal stat line, but like he's played really well since, and he's been pretty consistent since like coming back from like this break. So like you said, I mean, I, it's hard, it's hard to think that he does come back if, if the Jays finish really strong this year, but it's going to be something so interesting to watch because if, if, you know, obviously if he comes back next year and this is all, you know, this is all really besides the point because the kid's going to do what he's going to do. You know what I mean? Like you, you can't yep. fault anybody for going to get money because that is literally what, you know, I mean, not everybody plays it for the money, but like, if you have a chance to go get your cash, you're going to do it, you know? And like, nobody blames Justin Patton for leaving a couple years ago. Nobody, you know, nobody blames anybody for leaving, you know, it's just as a fan, you play those what if games, you know, and it's really interesting to kind of pick through as the season goes on, you know, 
where his draft draft stock is, you know, if it's, if it's fluctuating up or down or whatever it is. So good to get your insight on that, man. So let's, let's dig into some of these, these fan questions and then we can kind of wrap up. It's already 1115. I don't want to, I don't want to keep you past your bedtime. I know we all, we all probably got work in the morning. So uh, let's dig in here. Um, First question is a good one and something that we've already kind of touched on. Um, can we make the argument that Denzel's defense is better than Tyshawn's defense? I'll let you answer that. I think that's your lane. Let's go ahead and have Alex answer that one. See, I, I think it's it's the, the sum of all of the parts that make it better than Tyshawn. I think it, it, it's supplanting Denzel with Sharif that makes the, the, the defense work extraordinarily well especially on a great score. So I think, yeah, I think we've answered that question much already, but I think, I think in terms of metrics, I think they are better defensively this year because they're playing as an entire unit uh, than they were last year. And I think that's, again, credit to Paul Lusk. I think he's, he's drilled that into him. I think the defense looks so much better than it ever has since I've, since, I mean, at least since Altman's been the coach. Um, so I think I, I think they they've had to replace Tyshawn with two players basically, but I think it works better. <laughs> yeah, and this next question kind of tees into that last one. Do you think CU adapted to a lineup with without Alexander? Um, yes, I mean obviously it's I think their offense is so much so drastically different than last year. Obviously they still like to get up and down the floor, run you know typical Creighton offense, but. This team can beat you in a lot of different ways. It's not just reliant on, you know, Mitch shooting threes. It's not reliant on Tyshawn Alexander getting his shot volume. It's not on anybody. It's not on Marcus. You know, it's it's really tonight was, you know, in the second half, they scored 52 points. And there was there. I don't think there was anybody that was over. Yeah, nobody scored more than 10 points individually in the second half. So, I mean, this this team really knows how to play together. And I think that's. You know, it's not to say that those, you know, that team last year didn't know how to play together. It was, they're just so much better after a year of playing together. And I don't, obviously, the loss of Tyshawn hurts, but I think they are almost, I mean, they're not as good efficient, efficient wise, efficiency wise, they're not as good. But like, you know, this team can really beat you in more ways than just running you off the floor with their offense. You know what I mean? It's a, they're grinded out team. They really, they really are just multifaceted. Yeah. And I, I think the depth definitely helps. Uh, I think they're, they're definitely deeper than they were last year. Um, and you can rely on pension or kind of things up. I, I definitely think that the ceiling's higher than it was last year um, because of the depth and because of the, the way they can beat you because they can beat you down low. If they put Cockburner in, they can beat you down low, even with Christian Bishop. I mean, they can do so many different things, and I think that's all starting to click now. Because it's like, okay, if you want to focus on the three-point line, that's fine. You got uh, Marcus that can, they can drive to the team. You got Damian that can drive to the basket. You got Denzel that can drive to the basket and hit floaters. You got uh, Basketball Jones who can drive to the basket and, and, and score from there. So, I mean, it's, it's so multifaceted now. There's so many different threats. And I think that McDermott has finally figured out I can adjust to this on the fly. I can either feed the post and get easy buckets, either driving or just by dishing it down low to the post. And if, if they sag off the three-point line, then they're going to kill you on the three. You know, I've watched a lot of Gonzaga this year. Gonzaga is really, really good. 
yeah they are also on the same multifaceted can beat you anyway kind of team and i think creighton especially tonight showed if they get rolling they're going to be tough to stop you know it's funny that you so mentioned- i think i it's funny that you mentioned Gonzaga because I totally thought about what a, a potential Creighton Gonzaga matchup would look like, like in March Madness or something. Dude, that game would be insane. Like Gonzaga, it's pretty much Gonzaga versus the field right now. Like it's theirs to lose at this point. They're undeniably the best team in the nation. Mark Few is just consistently puts out the craziest best teams out of the weirdest conference in in the country like you know like i i we we talked about this on the first podcast too i'd love to see one of my co-hosts was like you know who'd be a great addition to the big east gonzaga i mean what a what a like what a crazy time to be alive it would be if gonzaga joined the big east it's a pipe dream it's never gonna happen but you know what a, what a season they're having. It would be great to see them link up in March Madness. I guess we'll kind of save that for for uh, for a better time. But, okay, next question. Who wins in a 1v1 style game? Marcus Foster or Denzel Mahoney? Marcus Foster. That's not even a question. Uh, yeah. It's Marcus. Yeah. Marcus. <laughs> yeah. I, I feel like Marcus is more of like a – Marcus has more like fire in him than, than Denzel does. You know what I mean? Like I think Marcus could just yeah. like – could just like intimidate Denzel into like, <laughs> you know, like into winning that game, you know, like Dude, I think it, I think it'd be an easy Marcus Foster to win. Yeah. He De- was I mean, phenomenal. It's not to say that Denzel is a bad scorer. You know, I just think Marcus Foster is that good, you know, yeah, way better. Yeah. hundred <laughs> percent. Oh, let's see. Let's do a fun one here. Best beer to be devouring while perusing a lake in the summer. Oh, Jesus. That is, we have to throw a fun one in there every once in a while, man. I would say, God, dude. I mean, I'm probably gonna have to go with like a light beer because I don't want to say like. Actually, you know what? No, I'm gonna go a fresh squeezed IPA from uh from Deschutes. It's a really, really good summer beer. That's that's what I would be drinking. That's a good one. That's a good one. I do love a fresh squeezed. Um, God. Okay. Extra Citra by Surly is probably okay. my favorite each beer. That's good. It's like it's like five and a half percent. It's light. It's citrusy. It's a good pale. I'm gonna go with the yeah extra Citra. Yeah, I'd probably get like Surly. too deep into like my fresh squeezed IPAs and be like, all right, I'm gonna take a break for an hour. It's usually yep, what you, you usually, three of them. Yeah, it's usually what happens when I drink IPAs. <laughs> it's like I have one and then I'm like, nah, I don't really want another. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's oh, a little calorie bomb. I would kill to like have some time like on a beach with a beer right now. I, I, I said this on our last episode too. Like, I think everybody deserves a little bit of like like lounging time. So that sounds like uh sounds like a good plan post uh, post winter here. Mm-hmm. 100%. Let's uh let's get into this next one here. Um, can we get some Creighton baseball style nicknames for the basketball roster i feel like we've been going back and forth on like a, a potential nickname for ryan kalkbrenner i like what i mean we should probably decide on what you know what nickname we're going to give him i mean like let's make it official here what have you what have you been calling ryan um i, I haven't developed a nickname for him quite yet i do like cock block that's pretty good <laughs> i've enjoyed that one um <laughs> Oh my yeah, god. Yeah, I don't know. There, there's so many different ways you can go with this name. I mean, as 
I'm officially I'm officially on the caulk dunker caulk dunker uh on the on that train. So yeah, that's 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 what I'm gonna that's his nickname that I'm gonna roll with. What other nicknames? Yeah. I mean, you I feel like you've been associating and dude. I mean, for anybody who, who doesn't follow Alex on Twitter, I feel like everybody who listens to this probably follows Alex on Twitter. But you know Alex is like the best person to for comedic relief during any Creighton bas- basketball or baseball game, a- any Creighton event ever, really. You know, you can look to Alex for a little bit of a comedic relief. So that's why we're talking about this. Alex has a lot of good nicknames for everybody. So mm-hmm. what are the nicknames do you have for the squad? Well, there's Basketball Jones, and that's actually one that my dad pitched to me uh, because there's a song called Basketball Jones. Yeah. It's ridiculous. Space Jam. Yeah. Yep, exactly. So there's Basketball Jones. Um, I mean, so I'm just going to go down the roster now because I got it pulled up. So, Uh, (laughs) I mean, Sharif, obviously, I mean, that's that's an easy one. Well, I mean, you can do Refense or you can do Refense. Uh, I think Roof Madness would be good. <laughs> oh my God. Uh, O'Connell. I mean, AOC is just too good. Too good because it's so polarizing because it's AOC. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, a lot of Creighton Twitter has been running with that one. And dude, honestly, there hasn't been like any like spirited debate about it being like annoying or anything. So run with it, Jace fans. I like it. I think, I think it's great. I think it's hilarious. I know. I think it's um, Jet Canfield. I mean, his name is almost a parody itself. So, because <laughs> they were Canfields on 84th and Center. Oh, yeah, dude. I mean, the military right. supply store. Yeah. Yeah. And they sold camping shit, I guess. But I've been there a couple of times, but they've shut down like two years ago. Um, dude, so I, 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 went, really I went there. I went there for their closing sale and got like a bunch of camping stuff for cheap. And to be clear, I've never used that camping stuff, so it was a complete waste of money. <laughs> I feel. <laughs> I feel like I have that same problem every time I buy camping shit. I'm like, I'm camping this summer, and I go camping like once. I'm like, this is dumb. I finally went I camping. Be- I finally went camping this summer in Colorado. We went to Granby, Colorado, like me and my girlfriend and like a couple other people. And dude, let me tell you, I hate camping. I am never doing it again. I hate camping. I hate camping. <laughs> it is so bad. <laughs> dude, I'm I'm more of like a dude, even if I have to go to like an urban like getaway like Vegas or like get like a high rise apartment in like Chicago or something, I would much rather do that than go. I'm a, I sound like a I sound like a, a pretty like stereotypical Creighton fan right now. Like I'd rather go to like something posh and fancy. <laughs> but it's the like, truth yeah, fuck, it's, fuck camping dude i hate it yeah you can actually go to like a, a you can go to a blues bar in nashville or or you know new orleans or chicago and hear good live music and it's like camping it's like all right you got some asshole with an acoustic guitar that can't play it <laughs> playing one fourth time doesn't know the chords right and it's like yeah I, I'd, I'd rather take a live music performance yeah, at the Blue Note in New York City, it's like okay, yeah, I'm gonna go to down and hear decent music and well, experience the American culture. Come on. I thought I, you know, I've done that so much in my life. You know, this summer. I mean, obviously with the pandemic going on, and everything. There was no way in hell you were gonna get me to go into like a an urban city center. So I was like, hey, let's let's go to the most remote place that we can go. I was like, let's go to Colorado, and we did it, and we camped, and I hated it. So, <laughs> you won, world. I'm never camping again. 
Nickname Zeggy. It's it's an obvious. It's got to be. Yeah, Um, Andrew Murfeld, coach's son, just to work off that that stupid trope that analysis usually use. Oh, he looks like a coach's son out there. Well, he actually is. So. Um, oh my god! You, what about, you can go grandmaster with Christian Bishop. Yeah, that, that, was, that was what I was getting ready to ask. Like, what do you? What's, like, what's Bishop's? <laughs> Fuck. You can go grandmaster the, the the chess thing. I don't know. I mean, you can make so many puns off his name. It's amazing. What a blessing. What uh, about Sammy? I. What about Jefferson? Did we did we get did we have one for Damien? I mean, he is college basketball. Yeah, yeah. There we go. Okay. Yeah. Duh. Jesus. And if we're gonna go off like like dumb baseball nicknames, he's just college basketball, and that's it. (laughs) Oh Uh, my god! All right. So I've been told the Devin Davis story multiple times, and I don't know the Devin Davis story. He's he's a preferred walk on. Well, he walked on to the, to the team, but he recruited himself. So this these are all rumors. This is all I don't know how much of this is true, but and maybe I shouldn't be talking about this. But Dem Davis <laughs> basically he got a scholarship from Creighton to go play at Creighton when the coaches had never heard of him before at all. Really? And so they were like, "What?" They were like, "Who is this kid?" And he just he enrolled in school and then showed up and he's like, all right, I'm a walk on now. No. So way. that is, it's a bizarre story. I don't know. Once he's gone, once he leaves Creighton, like we'll be able to tell that story a little bit better in more detail and like actually interview people. But right now, I don't know how much of it is true. But Devin Davis is on the roster. That is so, so I'm just going to call him. <laughs> well, you heard it here first, Jays fans. It sounds like there's going to be a little bit of a investigation happening this week because now I am extremely curious of what the hell Alex is talking about. So, I'll uh, I'll take a look yeah, at I'm that. Oh, to... <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. Let's get into this next story before Alex maybe outs another player for recruiting themselves here. Um... <laughs> All right, uh, boar's head or regular style deli meat? That's from our friend Jimmy Pinkham. Okay, I like this one. I'll definitely take store-bought because everything store-bought is better than boar's head because boar's head is disgusting. Actually, yeah. boar's, boar's, also, head has, boar's head has a really good ter- teriyaki chicken that I like from the deli. That's the only thing I will get boar's head. So. Yeah, um, I'll probably go store-bought as well, especially if it's yeah. like high V. It's like, uh, absolutely. I'm going high V all the way. Weird, weird post game question, but I'm I'm certainly into it. But uh, all right, well that's the end of our questions, man. What is it, uh, man? It's 11:30. Good lord, it's crazy that like it's 11:30 right now because so many of our games have started at like four o'clock or like 11 a.m. Right. You know, this is it feels so weird to be to be up and still talking Jays basketball at 11:30 at night, and the game only ended like an hour and ten minutes ago ish. So. Welcome back to the college basketball season, I guess. I can't I, I usually like if this was a home game, I probably would have gone to the bar. And if the pandemic wasn't happening either, I probably would have gone to the bar, probably got something to eat. But 
now we have this podcast this is my post-game ritual now for most games is like coming on and doing a podcast rather than going to the bar i think that's probably a good life choice good healthy choice too so thanks for joining me tonight alex i appreciate it the day that we've had if you haven't had a few beers today you've made a mistake <laughs> yeah i definitely had some beer and then i had some uh irish cream in my coffee during the game so yeah we're we're, we're doing we're doing well tonight <laughs> Awesome. <laughs> but uh man alex thanks again for coming on dude really appreciate it we'll have to catch up here again soon um maybe when it's not like 11 30 at night and we can do like a, a full breakdown of uh what we have the rest of the season but before we go let's just kind of preview the next couple games um you know we had the game tonight versus seton hall winning by uh, more than 30, which is just crazy, but we're back at it uh, Saturday against St. John's. And then we are, uh, we have a week off and then we're um, on the road at Fink- uh, Hinkle field house against Butler um, next two games. I, you know, I tweeted this a couple, a couple, a uh, couple games ago, you know, I think this was arguably the easy stretch in Creighton's schedule with the one exception being, um, you know, the Seton Hall game, which obviously didn't seem to be a problem. I guess the Providence game was a little bit, the Jays had a little bit more of an issue with Providence, but obviously we've already beaten St. John's once this year. Butler uh, not playing all that great right now. Um, they have a loss to Southern Illinois on the year. Their, their season was delayed coming out of the gate because of COVID protocol. Um not just not a great year for Butler so far. So, you know, we're, we're really going to be favored heavily in these next two games, I think, Um, you know, and with Creighton reaching, you know, seven in the AP poll this week, I think it's fair to say if, you know, after this, after this game tonight and that Providence game, you know, I really think we're going to be up there in the top five after this next week. So I guess we'll take an eye on, uh, we'll we'll look at that this next week, but uh, I mean, Alex, what do you think about these next two games? St. John's Butler, you know, where do where do you think the Jays come out after uh, these next two games? So, I mean, it's it's nice to have St. John's and then a week off. Um, simply as Mike Anderson, he throws the press out. The defense is really good. Um, so, I think the the Jays will be able to empty the tank a little bit against St. John's, especially since it is at home. Yeah, it's at home. So it's a home game against St. John's. I, I think they take care of business there. Then they have the and you said there's a week off and then the game. Right. Yeah. The entire week off. And then we so, played Butler on the road. And then Butler almost lost to Georgetown tonight. So it's like, okay. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, well, you gotta, you I gotta mean, feel, gotta feel for Butler, man. You know, coming out of the gate, having your, your program on, on pause, like Creighton was at the start. It's, it's definitely hard, but Butler had a little bit more of an extended break, you know, cause they essentially had no non-conference games. You know, they had, they had a handful, they lost one to Southern Illinois a little bit of a rebuilding year, I feel for for Butler here. So I guess we'll 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 see how that game turns out. But I, I really think Jays are going to be in a, in good hands the next two games. I think so. And Butler's still missing Aaron Thompson, who Kyrie Thomas stole Aaron Thompson's soul when Aaron Thompson was a freshman. Yep. Um, and I think he. So I mean, they lost Kamar Baldwin. They are basically just a ship without a captain at this point. Um. So it's going to be really interesting just to see what they make of themselves. I don't think they're very good. Um, so hopefully, yeah, Creighton, hopefully they get it done next two games. Yeah, so Creighton has won five in a row now. They're 9-2 and two on the season, 5-1 and one 
in Big East play slipped into that second place and sole control of second place now in the Big East. So a great night for Creighton. So yeah, let's go ahead and sign it off after that, Alex. Thanks. Like I said, thanks again for joining us, man. We'll go ahead and uh, end it there, but we'd love to have you back on the pod. So hopefully sometime later this season, like I said, when we have more time when it's not 1130 at night, we can sit down and, and talk for a little bit more and uh, maybe reminisce about some old games or something. Absolutely. Well, thanks for having me on Austin. This was fun. Yeah, dude, no problem. We'll uh, we'll catch up here soon. And if you're uh, if you're still out there listening at the end of this uh, hour and a half long podcast, please follow us on social media, Twitter, uh, Section Two Twenty Nine Talk, uh, and then search our name on Facebook, uh, Section Two Twenty Nine Creighton Basketball Talk. We love to interact. I'm always on Twitter, always ready to uh, give you my hot takes on Creighton basketball. So come join us in the conversation. We'll see you next time. Have a good week, rest of your week, and a good weekend. And uh, I don't know, man. After this day, maybe just go have a couple beers this weekend and just turn your phone off for a couple hours. But, uh, Alex, thanks again, man. We'll see you soon.